Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower here with my co-host, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. We are excited to be joining you tonight. Uh, we're saying tonight because that's when we're filming, but obviously um, today, because this is the final episode of our feature on Dior Kuntz, on the Dior Kuntz case. And we've promised to give a psychic analysis of what we have uh, come up with, what we feel did happen to this child. We've covered um, two other, you know, we've had two other episodes. So if you haven't seen the first two, definitely go watch them. The first is Dior Kuntz is Still Missing. And the second one is Can I Speak to an Adult? The Dior Kuntz oh. case. So um, in <laughs> in the Dior Kuntz case, you know, and in I the episode. I called it that because uh, I just felt like as, uh, you know, we were covering that angle and reporting on it. It was hard to see an adult in sight. It, it really was. It really was. Um, in that second episode, we talked to the four main players, mom, dad, grandpa, and grandpa's friend, who were all camping with the family. Yeah. And uh, it's just a, a tornado of confusion yeah. about what really happened and when it happened. And you can't get a straight answer out of any of these people. And and so, yeah, I, I really thought you very aptly named that because it was as though there was no adult to speak to. There was no responsible person there that could tell you what happened there. Yeah. Um, or would. Tell you what or would. Yeah, probably yeah. not so much could, but would. In the yeah. first episode, Dior Kuntz is still missing. We did just kind of outline the story of how he went missing. He went missing on July 10th, 2015. So he has now been missing for five years. He was two years old at the time. Went missing from the Timber Creek campground outside Ledor, Idaho. Yeah. And uh, so we did talk, you know, kind of about the scenario. We have visited the place where he went missing from, which is very helpful when you're doing a, a psychic read on a situation. It helps a lot to be able to go there or have some yeah. connection to the physical place. Uh -huh. I know you and I both, you know, were very impacted by going to that place. Mm -hmm. From a rational standpoint and also from a psychic standpoint, just the energy of it and, and what we picked up. And so what we want to do in this episode is just give you our read. We've told you the story. We've given you the facts as we know them or as they have been presented as mm -hmm. <laughs> however they are. And so now we want to talk about as much as we could, as you yeah. guys know, this case is a a, a winding web that mm -hmm. there's a lot of misinformation. The interviews with the parents just were all kind of a so, tornado of bullshit, really. Yeah, <laughs> I, we could have done a many part series on this case. We chose not to because honestly, it's just giving more wings to uh, all of the confusion that was spun up in this case uh, intentionally. And we just didn't yeah. really want to be a part of no, it. No, because the, the key is where is Dior? What happened to him? Where is he? How do. The people who don't know what's happened to him get some closure. How does our community get some closure and move on? Because um, this is a case that is revisited regularly in in the news and, and in our community because, you know, a two-year-old baby went missing. And that is a, that's a horrifying thing to have no resolution after five years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so sure. we want to share our theory. This and comes we know. From we know. You're not all going to resonate with what we have to say. We get it. It is what Especially it is. Especially locals. Mm -hmm. You know, you guys, it is what it is. 
you we've all lived it you guys all had a the theory we all you know mm-hmm. went through this case if you're local to us if you're not then this, this doesn't apply to you probably i know that you're not all gonna mm-hmm. like what we have to say and that's mm-hmm. cool you don't have to it's okay don't have that's to. just you know, all we do is what we're seeing right we're just doing what we do we have read this case after really getting a very strong, clear feel for all the people involved, the, the situation itself. And, mm-hmm. and we do have um, what we've come up with is our, our psychic analysis of what's happening. Yep. So I, I think we'll just start with, um, I, you know, the, the theory behind what happened to this child. And that is, I guess, mm-hmm. not theory, but the reading behind what happened yep. to this child. My sense of it is that um, while... Uh, Vernal, his father, was working on his pickup in the campground that there was an accident and this child was hit by the vehicle. I feel an impact and then I feel that energy of panic and fear that we have seen around the parents. Um, I do feel he was killed accidentally. I don't feel that there was intent or malice. No. But what happened after certainly did have intent and certainly does have malice because we're just, we still have a family and a community missing this child. My sense is that um, Dior is buried and that he is buried out in the um, sagebrush quite a ways. I, I was feeling into this today to get a distance and I feel that he's five miles from the campsite. It's eight miles from Ledor to the campsite. He's five miles from the campsite. I feel like he's about three miles from town out in the sagebrush. And when you drive into this campsite, it is just fields of sagebrush as far as the eye can see. The, uh, as far as I can tell, there have only been searches about two and a half miles radius. I do feel that his body is buried under, um, a, under the, the sagebrush can be really big here. And uh-huh. I feel like he was buried kind of underneath one to uh-huh. cover up the um the digging yeah i also feel that he will be found i don't feel that he will be found because somebody's looking for him specifically but that he will be found that at some point those bones will turn around for some reason yeah yeah Yeah, or looking for someone else that he will be found yeah i I do what do you want to add i know that's that's just kind of broad we can get into the more specific details but what do you want to add well and that'll be interesting because because uh, cadaver dogs can only smell decomp for a couple of years, right? You know when, when decomp has continued, you know, completed, you know, and so cadaver dogs at this point out there would be likely useless because mm-hmm. there's no, there's nothing to smell now for them. Looking at bones at this point, um, you know, depending on how fast decomp happened. I mean, you know, that's all. Nothing I can, you know, say definitively except for that uh, we've kind of already gotten past that window so it, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how you know or when those uh those bones are uncovered but i i agree with that a, a few things to note i feel like when this happened i do feel like he died immediately you know mm-hmm. died instantly and uh that mom and dad panicked and i actually feel like uh the, the dad was kind of the one that went, we aren't, we aren't telling anybody about this. He had some sense that he was going to go to jail mm-hmm. over it. And he, I feel like mom was so shocked and so scared that she didn't have a clue what yeah. to do. 
I feel like grandpa was so, I do feel like grandpa knew. I do. I I have this kind of chilling uh, vision of him saying, well, you better not tell anybody or you're going to be in trouble and kind of, kind of steer that ship. So I feel like it was Vernal and grandpa that kind of put that seed in Jessica that I, we can't tell anybody what happened or, you know, or blah, blah, blah. And I, I feel like it was uh, unrealistic, you know, to think that they would really be in that much trouble or whatever, you know, it was, it was very paranoid, which also makes me wonder again, what kind of substances were being used out there? You know, we know there was some drinking, but it wasn't more than that, you know, because she feels really paranoid to me about it. Now, what we've seen since is what we saw there was a grieving mother, you know, I think that they had no idea that this would turn into what it did. Right. I think they thought that law enforcement would come, we'd fan out, we'd look, we wouldn't be able to find him. And that would kind of be the end of it. I don't think they realized that the community would rally like they did, that Mm -hmm. so many people would be coming and looking, that things would be the way they were. I really don't. I don't feel like this was, uh, they had any idea what this was going to turn into. This was a a really stupid decision in the moment instead of just owning up to what happened. But I think that what we saw from Jessica after that was a grieving mother, Mm -hmm. a grieving mother. And she knew, she knew her baby was dead, but this, everything blew up so fast that they didn't feel like they could fix it. And And how do you go back on that? Right. And their parents jumped up and defended the hell out of them and went to bat for them and Yes. You know, my hell, you know, Vernal and his dad have sued the private detective three times now. And that's dad that's steering that ship because he's still defending the honor of the of his kid, you know. Right. Because I do right. feel like their families believed them. They, you know, wanted to believe them, of course. Right. Did anyone kill this little guy intentionally? I don't believe that's true. But no, do they no, know no. what happened to him? And was there an accident? I absolutely believe that's true. Yeah. I, I do too, but there was no intent behind it. You know, one of the things that really struck me was the mm-hmm. the frenzy that happened when he went missing and mm-hmm. not saying that you wouldn't, you know, be panicked when your child is missing, Yeah, but it was even less rational than I think that they should have been. And that was one thing that I really worked on mm-hmm. in reading the situation was why that level of panic and why... Were they calling 911 in separate locations at separate times? And why did Vernal keep leaving and coming back and leaving and coming back? And there were a lot of things that really made me question, like, I don't feel like they're, the energy around it was the same as if it had been, they were looking for him. Yeah. They, they weren't looking for him. They already knew what had happened and they were horrendously panicked and mm-hmm. freaking out about how they were going to handle this. And I also feel there was some disagreement about how to handle it. I feel like that's why there were two 911 calls is that they were both, you know, sort of went to their own corners. Dad took off for a little while. Everyone's freaked out and upset. Well, almost everyone, not Reinhardt, because he didn't know. I, I feel like he knew something happened, but he didn't really know what happened. And they just kept him in the dark. I do feel like there was, um, you know, he was off doing his own thing and they didn't tell him the whole story. No. Um, I do feel they manipulated him a little bit, but I feel like, um, he wasn't part of covering this up. No. I feel like he genuinely didn't know for sure what had happened Mm -hmm. and really didn't want to be involved. Agreed. 
but the other three, um, grandpa and, and mom and dad, I do feel that they, they, they conspired and then mm-hmm. they didn't necessarily agree. And there was a lot of panicking and mm-hmm. that's why things happened the way that they did. It just was handled so strangely uh-huh. and so many versions of what happened well of course there are so many versions of what happened because they've never actually told the truth about right. what happened and so the story morphs and changes all over time because uh-huh. they're telling it it's a it's a tale right. it didn't happen to begin with and that's why they can't remember the exact details about uh-huh. who did what when and where everyone was because uh-huh. they're making it up yeah yeah and they'll glom on to something that somebody said that feels right and they'll kind of keep pounding that, you know, yeah. but, you know, things like uh, for Vernal, especially all of the stuff he said about what happened when they were in Ledor that day. Yeah. Everybody who should have seen the baby, the, the the delivery driver, the redheaded woman that he had a 45 minute conversation with, blah, blah, blah. None of those things actually happened or the, mm-hmm. the creep with the Jeep or all of that nonsense. None mm-hmm. of that happened. But once he said it once, it felt true. It felt good, you know, so he just kept saying it. So then, of course, you know, then I think Jessica tried to start saying it, too, because it felt like something that was believable. It could potentially have happened. Yeah, I I feel that um, baby Dior was dead before they ever took that trip into town. Oh, I yeah. do not feel he was with them. I do not feel that they will ever find anyone with that witnessed that child being in town during no. that trip. No, he was already gone. There. He was already buried at that point. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And yeah, it it is a really sad case. I think it's also it is. a really um, a good example of what happens when people make really hasty, desperate, paranoid decisions yeah. and and then can't back off. I mean, this case got so public so fast. Yeah. You know, at one point, the detective uh, Klein client agency had said Mm -hmm. jessica knows where he's buried she has said to us that she knows where he's buried and then immediately backed off of it and Mm -hmm. you know i i feel like that that's true Mm -hmm. there's no transcripts of that and so everybody has you know they've been a little skeptical of it i don't think he lied about that no like Mm -hmm. she did say that she did say that uh because she does know you know there's such a desperation around all of it Mm -hmm. that to me feels like Still, even now, five years later, they're not sure if they did the right thing. How can they ever get out of this? Right. They will forever be the parents of the missing baby that never is found. You know, I mean, and and, well, I, and I do. Won't let it, the public no, won't let it go away. The public doesn't let it go. Mm-mm. And how do they come back now after five years of investigation? Mm-hmm. Huge amounts of money donated, huge amounts of money spent. Yeah. All this time, all the energy behind the community support, as well as law enforcement and mm-hmm. the private investigators, how can they ever go back on their story now? You know? Yeah, totally. I mean, there's just that that's how I feel as well. Um, you know, I think grandpa just kind of said, Tell me what you're gonna say, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of the ro- the route he took. Yeah. I I have a really hard time understanding that but I didn't know him as a person, you know? No. And I do feel like there's a very um, strong distrust of the police and law enforcement around all of this. Uh-huh. And that there were other things that were going on in the lives of this family. Uh-huh. that They didn't want attention placed on them for. Yeah. 
I do feel like there's other criminal activity. Um, I do feel there's drugs at the time, drugs involved Mm -hmm. and and, and other things that they didn't want scrutiny. Well, on Jessica's part, her, she already had given up custody of her two other children. Right. And she did see them though. I mean, it wasn't like she just completely thrown her kids away. There were some news reports that said that, but actually on a deeper dive, I discovered that that really wasn't true at all. She still Mm -hmm. had contact with her kids, but I feel like one of the things that was said to her was that you won't see be seeing your kids anymore. They'll take them away. You'll, you'll lose all custody. You know, yeah. when they know that this is what you let happen to your baby, you know, yeah. I, I feel like for her, that was her, one of her driving factors is that she didn't just lose, uh, you know, the little guy that had died, but she was feeling threatened that maybe she would lose everything. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that fear of losing everything, I feel like drove all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like Vernal was absolutely the, the, the key player, you know. This was about protecting him, and it was about his paranoia and weirdness about just being honest and telling the truth. And, and just fear, absolute yeah, fear. Total fear, yeah. Fear and some really bad decisions that rolled into so many more bad decisions and yeah, yeah. That, that landed us here. Right, that landed us in a past-the-point-of-no-return situation. In which, how do they ever go back on their story now? You know, um, I, I feel like it's really sad. But one of the things that I guess brought me at least some comfort in it in reading this was that I don't feel any intent behind it. Nobody no. killed this little boy on purpose. It was no. an accident. This was not intentional. He was not kidnapped. He was also not neglected and left to just wander off into the woods and be eaten by an animal. That didn't happen. No. Neither did a drowning. None of those things resonate with me at all. This no. was an accidental injury. They're not monsters. They just made no. a horrible decision. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, sometimes these things, sometimes children are killed in accidents. I mean, it's a horrible thing. But it is true. Something. Yeah, it's true. People make a bad decision or a kid gets where they're not supposed to be or whatever. You know, they just, um, you know, typically don't make this decision. Right. But, uh, yeah, but they're not. They're not terrible people. They just, they've made some really bad decisions here. In I don't feel like they even were bad parents, but at this no, point, the child is gone. There's nothing they can do to bring him back. And so they went into protect mode. You know, they went into panic mode mm-hmm. to protect themselves. Well, and the, the hard part now is that if the day comes that those phones are overturned, you know, and found which we really do anticipate they will be at some point mm-hmm. that will be the point of no return for these two that well they yeah. they really will lose everything you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that that's really really unfortunate because it didn't have to go this way no it really didn't but in that moment i mean it it, it shows you how one decision can yeah. change your whole life you know for better or worse and and this is certainly a great example of that you know, and I feel whenever I feel into either of them, Jessica or Vernal, there is this sick feeling in the pit of my stomach mm-hmm. that I just feel like they live with this every day, yeah. every day. This never goes away. No. Well, and, you know, their decisions afterwards, they split up, you know, not mm-hmm. too long after uh, Dior was reported missing. And then he took a job as a long haul truck driver kind of just getting the hell out of here. And she remarried in a flash. She remarried in such a quick and strange way that her mother wasn't even at the wedding. You know, 
both certainly of them an attempt to try to move on. on. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe six months after this happened, someone that I know knew her mom and had told me, you know, she can't eat. She can't sleep. She's lost a ton of weight. She is, she's an absolute wreck. Well, she was a grieving mother. Right. A grieving mother who couldn't openly grieve because there was the charade, you know, the charade going on that we didn't know what happened to him. We didn't know. Maybe he was kidnapped and he was alive. And, you know, it was mm-hmm. like she couldn't really and has still not able been able to properly grieve the death of her son. Right. Um, the other thing that uh, I was told at that point was that the community, people were very convinced that they did it. You know, people were convinced that they did it, that the clues were there. I mean, there are a lot mm-hmm. of people look at this page and go, duh, you know, right. but uh, the public reacted the way the public does, which is, you know, to send a lot of threatening stuff. And there yeah. was an went by for a long time that Jessica wasn't getting death threats from people and she was really really freaked out and really afraid and unfortunately I feel like that kind of behavior from the public yeah is part of the reason why this case has never gotten to light because people decided to do that stuff and I do think that that's part of the reason why maybe at some point she could have or would have come forward and told the truth but uh because of the way she was threatened constantly and frightened and attacked I feel like that the people who chose to do things like that did an enormous disservice to this case Mm -hmm. well it was you know just proving the point that was made to them initially which is this was going to ruin your life and take everything away from you and certainly living with that you know daily onslaught of threat is is part of it yeah 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 now had they just had they been clean about it, had they just called the sheriff, had they just been real about it, would things have gone down differently? Well, yeah, a hundred percent, you know, a hundred percent. Would some of someone have done time? I don't know. I mean, that really depends on what the sheriff found when they came out there, you know, right. accidents do happen, they you do. know, and yet again, you know, we, we really suspected that there was maybe some substance abuse involved here, some things that would have not shown, you know, kindly on them. And so, it's yeah. hard to say that for sure, you know, but it, it's really sad the way this went down. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Starting with the loss of life, obviously, you know, yeah. I mean, a, a two-year-old life, bright light was snuffed out, um, you know, due to some carelessness or some kind of accident with the truck that, I mean, that's sad enough. You know, it is. It is. But then to add all of this on top of and all the stories and the accusations and the everything, it just, it. It, it blew so out of control. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it made me feel good to at least determine that nobody killed this baby on purpose, no. you know, and, and certainly, you know, we can look at the behavior of the parents after the fact and go, okay, yeah, there have definitely been some poor choices here. They didn't kill their child intentionally. No, and and they now live with this for the rest of their lives. You know, whether they are ever brought to justice on it or not. I mean, the 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 punishment is there and real every day. Absolutely, they have wasted an enormous amount of resources and time. My gosh, from so many different agencies and so much money that was donated from the community to help find this kid. You know, I mean, they those things you you can't roll back the clock on that. Those things happened, and there's nothing that can be done but you know what we do it again (laughs) because Mm -hmm. that's you know 
that that's how a lot of times around in this community, that's how we roll, right? And we do it again. But, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully the next time someone finds themselves in a situation like this, they'll just decide to be honest and be real and, and not put themselves or the entire community in this kind of a position. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, you know, there is a lesson in this. Because really, whatever the consequences would have been had they reported it honestly, they were not worse than what they live with every day now. There is no way that they're worse than what they live with every day now. Nope. They just didn't know because this decision came to be and it snowballed so fast there was no way to stop. Well, there was a way to stop. I'm not going to say that. There was a way to stop. But They, they, they certainly had plenty of opportunities to to back it up and tell their story. And they, you know, when they were named persons of interest and, you know, I mean, they did, they had a lot of opportunities that they didn't take. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. It is. Yep. So there it is. Yeah. That's what we have to say. Um, Of course we welcome your comments. Um, As always, you will agree or disagree and that's fine. I know. Um, Be nice or don't. I mean, whatever. (laughs) You know, we, we do what we do. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, that's okay, too. You know, one question that's come up for us is why do we present all the facts in a case before we do a read on it? Well, um, because that's a that's an important part and an important element of reading a case mm-hmm. is to have the basic facts. The point of the reading is to give you the outcome, which is the unknown. Mm-hmm. But going there listening to the interviews, getting a feel for the people involved. That's all a part of reading the case. Uh-huh. Yeah. You, know, you, you see some people do a cold read and that's fine. And we do mm-hmm. some cold reads, but mm-hmm. that's not the only way to do a psychic reading. There yeah. are lots of ways. And, and one of them is to take into consideration all of the elements and the energy behind them, because it's very, very important uh-huh. to have a connection to the place, to the people involved to really feel into what has happened. Uh And that's how we work. You know, not everybody works that way and that's okay. But um, it turns out that there are lots of different ways to read something. Uh And uh, this is our way. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, and if, yeah, if that doesn't work, that's okay. You know, if it doesn't Mm -hmm. work for you, that's okay. But it is our way partly because true crime paranormal for us is reporting the true crime. Yeah. As well as doing the cold read, we want reporting the whole thing, yeah. you know. And some of you guys listen to us because you want to hear the crime part. You could care less about the psychic analysis, and that's okay. And yeah. some of you really want to hear the psychic analysis, and that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fine. I guess we're feeling a little salty. I guess it's just true. You know, <laughs> we have really mean freaking comments this week, and we're both trying to get a thicker skin and realize mm-hmm. that you know, scroll and roll, and or maybe just don't read the comments, or just get mm-hmm. over yourselves. But yeah. we've, we've both been a little burned this week. So we're trying to, uh, yeah, we're going to suck it up. We are. We are. And I do think that it's important to explain sometimes what we do and what our process is, because yeah. there are lots of misconceptions about what it means to be a professional psychic. There are lots of misconceptions yeah. about what it means to do a psychic reading. There is not just one way. There are many no. ways. Many ways. This is our way. Yep. And, and, and the elements do matter. They do. And they certainly give me a clearer picture of the energy around the situation and the mm-hmm. scenario. And um, that's important. Absolutely. I want to share the story. I want to be able to share the story with all of you because yeah. that is important as well. You know, we, mm-hmm. we wanted to meld a true crime show with a psychic read show and that's what we're doing. Yep. 
So we appreciate all of you being here and listening and participating for whatever portion you're here for. We appreciate that. Sorry for our little rant. Yep. (laughs) Well, I I think it's important to explain from time to time, though, because you and I both know, having worked in this field for more than a decade, Uh that there are a lot of misconceptions and there are a lot of beliefs that there's just one certain way you do this. And it's not true that there are many ways and there are many kinds of intuition and lots of things that lots of different factors. And so this Mm -hmm. is who we are. This is what we do. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Well, there it is. is. So that is the end of our series on Dior Coons. We hope that you uh, appreciated it. We hope that it was informative. I know for some people it was difficult to listen to. You, nobody yeah. likes telling a story of a two-year-old that goes missing. No. We didn't either. This this story has been tough for us to cover. We, at times are like, why are we doing this case? This is really awful. But yeah, it, it's important too. And it's mm-hmm. local to us. And we feel like covering our local cases really matters yeah. because of our perspective. And so, you know, we will continue to do that. We have some other local uh, cases coming up that we will share along with some not so local to us cases coming up. (laughs) Yep. As always, there's more crime. Oh, well, that never ends. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. You've been listening to true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters, and we will be back soon with another story. Have a great night. We will. All right. Bye guys. Take care. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.